the following podcast is part of the 6040 Network. Hello, and welcome to Everything Small Business, your shortcut to start, build, manage, and grow your small business. My name's Spencer, and in today's episode, I sit down with Nick Connolly from Connolly Co. Barbers, where we discuss what it really means to build a business by design. If you're thinking of starting your own business or turning that side hustle into a full-time business, stay tuned because there's definitely a lot you're going to be able to take out of this episode. Today we're going to we're doing this from your barbershop. I'm sitting here in a beautiful old leather Chesterfield couch and looking at all these like gorgeous old 1920 style barber seats. The place looks great. Even the flooring, like like what? How um, would you describe this to the listeners? So to describe this to the listeners, be like go back in time. 1920s prohibition. It was more of like a hidden saloon, you know? Yeah. Where I've got like the, the beautiful dark red velvet curtains. Um, we have um, Chesterfield, it's based on like a cigar lounge bar. And I have um, three chairs, three barber chairs, emerald green, uh, and it's more kind of like um, inspired, you know, like all kind of 1920s. Um, basically, what I wanted to kind of um, achieve was a place where it was a comfortable environment. You walk in, you're going back in time, but it's all the small details. If you look around the room, you've got, you know, I've got everything from like parquetry flooring to um, even like all the power sockets or brass, you know, down to um, all my um, antiques that I have on display. It's uh, the era is 1910 to 1920. Um, why I like that era is because I feel like it was a turning point, you know, like a lot of things were, like a lot of agreements was was from a handshake, you know. Men were men. Men were men. Yeah. There was style. People yeah. wore suits. Like, does it yeah. matter? Like, like, people just, like, they, they took pride, you know, yeah. on their appearance, their dress. And I've got beautiful compasses, telescopes, you know, and you hold even one of the compasses I have from the 1920s. It's heavy. Yeah. Things like, were built to last, yeah. like the quality, yeah. and not this throwaway economy. Exactly, and I wanted to spend a bit more money on my fit out, yeah. and it wasn't about putting in like the um, trying to squeeze in as many barber chairs as I can, just to get numbers you know? and experience. Yeah, for me it was about experience. You know, yeah. like having only three barber chairs. A lot of other barber owners like, man, you could fit like you know five or eight, and I was like, I know I can. I don't want it. No. You know, it's not about turnover. It's about getting people relaxed, comfortable, and wanting more. Yeah. And that's why for us now, like having three chairs, we well, we're busy. It's not about how many clients you have. It's how many return. Yeah. So for us, like here, everyone comments on you know the fat art, how beautiful. But it's, for me, it's about the feel. When you walk in here, you feel like a boss. Yeah. You know, and you know all of us barbers. And stuff, we're in three piece suits. Yeah. You know, we take the time, we dress up because things like these days, things aren't things aren't made to be repaired. It's made to be replaced. Yeah. You know, and for me, I want a shop that I can literally say, and I put my heart and sweat tears in this place, but I'm happy with it. Yeah. You know, I didn't get a barber shop because I wanted, I didn't want a shop. I had, I had to get a barber shop because I had to expand. Yeah. You know, I was you know I was too busy. Yeah. And I had to. It's, it is awesome and probably should say that I've been coming getting haircuts or from you must be going on three years or something yeah I'll say you've yeah, about three three yeah. more yeah three but years. it is the experience so we're not like even sitting here today you know there's a conversation that goes on between everyone to people that I don't know that are getting their haircut but it's an open environment and it's does remind me of that old style barbershop that you see on the um you know in the movies where the men go and that's almost where they get to have their chats yeah, you know chat. like and like it's like and i had the chairs like the waiting chairs facing each other for a reason yeah so you know conversation we've, yeah, we've lost the art of conversation yeah because they're all on the damn phones yeah like if i could have a device that switches off phones in my barbershop, I would have that. Yeah. You know, like yeah. switch off all phones. Because the art of the conversation, once you take away your phone, man, like people start lining up in conversation, they start chatting, yeah. start talking, like we network, you know? Yeah. Like a lot of people, if you just ask simple questions about someone, you can find out so much more about someone, you yeah. know? And, and people intrigue me. It's, it's true. When I came in earlier, um, again, so I've had a, 
I had a haircut today, I was due. When I came in, there was another gentleman waiting that um, I've never met, but first thing he said is, how you going, mate? Like, it, you know, it was welcoming, wasn't confronting, you know, it wasn't weird like somewhere else where, you know, there's someone you haven't met. Like, it, it's as if it's a friend that I haven't seen and I'm, I'm coming and sitting down and uh, how's your day? Like, it, it's well, like, very easy to have that conversation, very open and... I, yeah. well, like, for me, it's, um, it's like... It's a reflection of you. It's a reflection of... Yeah, what you've created and how you, how you treat everyone. Well, basically, you know, I, I wanted people to walk in here. It doesn't matter if you're a new client or an existing client, but basically, if you're part of Colleen Co., you're part of the team, part of the family, you either know Josh or I as a barber. So, obviously, like, you've, got that, you've got that connection already. Like, oh, hey, you know, I don't want to blow up and end up you know, being mainstream in, in shops. Yeah. I want to be boutique. I want to be hidden. If you know, you know. And I don't need to kind of like, like be showy. And for me, it's I've got nothing to prove. Yeah. You know, it's like, and the clients who come in, man, like they come in every two, three weeks, four weeks. And a lot of them tell me, Nick, before I met you, I wasn't coming in every two, three weeks for a haircut. But when I'm coming in here, it's, it's the service, it's the feeling I get, it's the people I meet, you know. And they have mates who they all kind of um, orchestrate their haircuts together. And when they come in here, they bring a six-pack. They sit down. They have a catch-up, their own catch-up. Yeah, know? nice. It's a nice place to be. And because we do appointments, yeah, basically, like, it's – it's I would say it's controlled chaos. Yeah. We're never going to be, like, so packed in here that it's uncomfortable. Yeah. You know what it's like when you go in a bar shop and it's a it's walk-ins only. It's weird. You're all sitting on a little chair or something in a, in a row and, you know. Your back's to the wall. Yeah. You're looking at barbers. Yeah. You're eyeing out the barbers. You're waiting who's next. And the one yeah. who's the shit barber, everyone's looking away. I don't want him. You go him. Yeah. I don't want that feel. No. You know? I want it to be. And you get that. You can hear this generic conversation starters sort of being that, like, they don't know their customer. Like, it's, it's a production line sort yeah. of thing. Yeah. Standard. If those yeah. people don't come back, they don't. No or care because it's you know there's like well the thing is like the like the art of the conversation it's actually for me I know that I'm going to be talking to my clients every day so I might as well talk about subjects that like what I want to talk about yeah and what's enjoyable to the client yeah uh, and like basically people ask me how do you remember every single client you have I've got over a thousand clients yeah well. and um, I remember everyone by name I know exactly where they are what they do what the status the married pregnant whatever it's because I keep in contact with them. I have them on social media. Yeah. You know, like I'm friends with them. Like I, I go to, I get invited to weddings. Yeah. You know, like baby showers, you know, birthdays. Yeah. And like I try to remind my, like my staff going, you know, like these clients that, you know, you, you have or you're building a clientele, you're going to be there for their birthdays. You're going to be there for their engagement, weddings. Any major celebration or events, they're going to come to you first. Come through. Yeah. Because yeah. they need a haircut for good. Yeah. So I find like it's it's not just a service cutting hair. You're part of like the experience and you're part of their life. You know? Yeah. So you just enjoy the conversation and and be open to like have a conversation with the clients. Yeah. And ask away like ask questions like, for example, I've got um, like you know financial advisors, advisors, I've got lawyers, I've got doctors, police officers, military teachers, and I wouldn't be where I am today without asking the advice yeah. from them. You know, like basically, I don't need a book in the and have a consultation with them. They come for a haircut. I put their brains for their knowledge. Yeah, you know, and take their advice. Yeah, and it'd be quality advice because it's it's the things that you would tell a friend. You know, it's not you know someone that's gone into their office and they're just going through the motions yeah. or whatever. A new client and they're doing whatever. Like Do you they, they've got a um, you know they care. So yeah. so the things and they're off guard. Yeah, yeah. They're not at work. Yeah. So they basically kind of tell you things because they're comfortable. Yeah. You've designed the business that you want. You've created the environment and the business that you want to live in every day, like, you know, because we spend so much time working. But I'd like to go backwards, I guess. Yeah. I think the story of where you've got to the, the where you are now and having the business that you want and the, the shop and decking it out like you like, uh, you know, you wanted to, having the customers and the clientele that you have and uh, the ability to, to have the three chairs and, and build that the whole experience. And so I, I know a bit of the, the story, I guess, so because 
over the last three years we've had lots well, of conversations. You've been part of it. Yeah. You've been part of the That's like, it. you know, like I guess like, I met you when I was working from home in a single yeah. carriage. Yeah. But let's go, you know, let's rewind before that. Yeah. You know. Um So I guess I'll just tell when we first met, yeah. I think I was skating by with Luciana maybe. We're going to the shops. So you you were working from home, you had the, the garage and you decked that out. Like when you were inside the garage, you could be anywhere. Like you looked like you were in a in like a proper shop, like you know, not at home. Even there, you could see the attention to detail. Like you just doing that, like was great. So from there, I've come in, and then we started having conversations. But the the things that you were telling me, I, I thought are really really good, and and things that I think the listeners would be interested in. I guess like you you were just about to go like at the very beginning. I remember you telling me when you worked at a, at a different barber, how you built your personal brand. And like, to me, that kind of sounds, maybe like you had this vision way back then, but you've always been switched on or you were always maybe business minded or you knew what you needed to do to, to stand out or be. To be honest, like, um, like the work ethic I have is I don't just go to work and work. You know, mm-hmm. like I, I tell people work is part of your day. It's not your day. No. So, like, you know, when I was um, working at Tommy Guns, um, I was the the barber educator. You know, I was the floor manager for the barbers. Yeah. And basically, um, we opened up at Pack Fair, uh, and like my like basically my job was quality control. Yeah. And like you know, and building up these barbers, and basically, um, you know, like I was the most requested barber. I was always busy. I was a two to three hour wait to see me because there was no bookings. And I got to the point that I was burning myself out. There was like, sometimes there'll be, we had 12 barbers in the shop. And basically- um, It must be disheartening for some of the other barbers maybe to be standing around waiting and having like a a few guys sitting there waiting for you to finish. Their perspective and my perspective when we're working was fucking different. Yeah. Like they were on there, like sitting down, like just waiting. And then there was like three or four people waiting for a haircut. And they're like, oh, who are you here to see? I'm here to see that. Oh, well, he's like a two hour wait. I wait. Yeah. You know, and for me, um, it was like, I was, it wasn't about churning through haircuts, like next, next, next. It was more like, I'm going to give this, this client the experience because they deserve that, you know, like, because for a male, we don't really have much going on with, with like, you know, upkeep. We don't get facials, we don't get our nails, eyes, makeup, none of that shit done. No, we have a hair, you know, and, and a lot of us, we get the short end of the deal. Normally it's just in and out and we're never happy and most of us guys aren't confident to speak up, going, oh man, they're too short. We always think, you know, it's two weeks from a good to a bad haircut. But I don't want you to walk out thinking like, oh, it'll grow out. You know, I want it to look good there and then you know so for me it wasn't about like oh let's do it shorter so it lasts longer I want you to look good the whole time yeah. well now that you're saying that that is one of the reasons I guess why I've always stayed or, or come back you know I want to get my hair cut with, with you because it, it is one of those it, it is a little bit difficult I, I don't know about other people but to sit down and you know when you say what do you want done today and you're like oh I'm not sure like the sides and more often than not, I'd leave the barbershop going like, that's not really what I was I had in mind. But it's never been an uncomfortable conversation to talk about like what I was looking for or what I'm thinking or like you've even, not that you've pushed back on things, but I'm thinking, oh, you know, I'm thinking this is this and you'll be like, oh, that's good, but like maybe we can do that or I'll do it like this. Oh, yeah, perfect. Like you can interpret what people want and exactly. make them comfortable and happy, yeah. I would rather take an extra five, ten minutes on the consultation yeah. to find out, like, you know, like, what you want yeah. than just go, oh, what do you want? Oh, you know, like, oh, short, so, oh, I'm, a bit short. I'm like, okay. So sometimes if, if we're a bit lost. Like Is that this, an Aussie, man? Like, you'd have lots of different I've clients. got lots of, like, lots of different clients. Nationalities, like, like nationalities. Aussies kind of, like, more. No, nah, to, to be honest, it's, it's basically all around. Yeah. To be honest, I feel like all you've got to do is like uncode what they're trying to say, mm. you know, and put it in like hairdressing terms. Yeah. So sometimes when someone's like, oh, I want it quite short on sides, I'm like, well, your short and my short are clearly different. Yeah. Do you want to see skin or do you want it to grow out? 
you know. I just want the grey hairs gone. Yeah, yeah. Well, well that's, what's the thing? Like, yeah. but for me, it's 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 about looking at you as as a full package and asking you questions like, okay, how long do you spend the hair? Is it a priority? Do you wear suits when you go? Do you, you know, do you want a wet, dry look? You know, ride a motorbike. You put yeah. a helmet on your, yeah. So you want less manners, but you want it to look good. Yeah. So basically, for you, like how I cut your hair, I cut it so it grows out nice, but it's not too short. That it looks, you know, like for your yours is more natural, but it grows out nice. Yeah. You know, going back to when I was working at Tommy Guns, like I was there for like three and a half years. Like I was the golden goose. Yeah. You know, and I wanted to build up everyone around me. So it was building that personal brand. That people came there for you, yeah, like because of who you were, and so basically, how I built my personal brand is, I befriended these people. Yeah. You know, I would um, have conversations about you know like things that we kind of like both could relate to. You know, every client was different, so I had to have different conversations. I spoke differently with different people. It was more like I was a chameleon. Yeah, I wasn't fake at any any any, any time. I just had to you know like blend in along with the client yeah it was it was hard because uh, you know you've got all these people around you all these barbers around you and you're, you're basically trying to just have a one-on-one with these clients but you're also on a time frame yeah you know I just got to know my clients more of a personal level not just being the barber for a haircut it wasn't just a haircut I would literally like if we got along I'm like hey what's your Instagram what's your Facebook yeah. get to know you on there you know and when you came in it was more of a catch up yeah we would chat about the weekend or what you got to last time, you know? And how I built that kind of clientele was more, I built a, a friendship with my clients, you know? Yeah. I would shake their hands and I'd walk them up to the to the counter and when they were checking out, I would be saying hi to my other clients who were waiting, yeah. you know, and say, hey, mate, I'll be, I'll be two seconds, you know? Yeah. And basically how I built that kind of um, that clientele was I wasn't trying to build a clientele. I just enjoyed what I what I like doing. Just sounds like you care and you want everyone to have a good experience. Yeah, yeah. I want it from the very beginning, yeah. yeah. To, and that's carried through to here even. Yeah, yeah. and, and like I was the boss. And um, funny thing is, like, you know, I wanted to, um, you know, I wanted to make more money. Yeah. But also, like, I had mates who would follow me from when I first moved here. And when I was at Tommy Guns, I kind of blew up. I was pretty busy. And my mates couldn't get in. They were like, man, like, we've got to wait so long. That was a problem because these ones who supported me from day one. So that, that, that sounds like you were doing well there. What made you want to, was like, I guess, start a side gig or start, like, maybe go out on your own? or? So basically, I was at the point that I was so busy. Yeah. And with all these new clients... I kind of felt drained because I was spending so much effort on these new clients who were, they weren't from here, they were all tourism, you know, all tourists. And my locals, they were kind of like getting missed missed out because everyone heard about, I want to go see the boss, the owner. So I started working after work and I started going to my mates' houses. And I said to my mates, after work, I would would do like three or four clients after work. Got to a point that every night I was working after work going to people's houses and they're long days it was long days yeah Yeah. I would literally pack all my stuff at work go to mate's house and cut his hair next one next one next one Um, it came to the point that I was like man it's it's not by the time you you include the haircut getting getting set up cutting his hair finishing tidying up going to the next person it just it was so long in between haircuts I, I started telling guys hey how about I'll come to your house, but if you have two or three people there, I'll come. You know, so these my, my mates, they would organise their friends come to their house, and it was a catch up. They would have beers and that stuff, and then yeah. three or four people at one time. So I didn't have to go anywhere. So I saved a lot of time. Yeah, doing that. Yeah, and then uh, I got to a point that I was telling my boss, you know, like I'm burning out doing five days a week. Yeah, and um, this is the game changer. This is what happened. A lot of us, we have two days a week, day off, you know. It's not enough time to kind of recover and think and, and, and have time to really have ideas, you know, because yeah. we're so burnt out. Yeah. So I said to my, I suggested to my boss, you know, I want to work four days a week, but I want to be paid the same. And he's like, well, so what are you, you know, what are you offering? And I said to him, well, how about I'll work four busy days, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And if I can make you the same amount of money in five days, you pay me for five days. 
So we gave it a trial and it worked. Mm. So I worked Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and I was making more than I was making working five days. Yeah. But that means I had three days off. Those three days were crucial because I had Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. And honestly, when you have your days off, when everyone else at work, you have time to think. You've got the beach to yourself, cafes, restaurants, shopping centers, because yeah. everyone's at work. Yeah. So having those three days off kind of got me thinking. You know, like I could literally have one day a week at home and start cutting hair. So the money that I made from working after work, I put away. And that's when the adventure began. I got, a, I got a barber chair and I started like decking out like my wee garage, silver yeah. garage. That was only basically for all my mates. Yeah. And but then, it, was, it was done very well. I, if I remember, that was like black and white check floor. You had an old style barber seat there as well. Well, it wasn't. Even the, fl- the walls, I think. You yeah, it was, all, well. it was all painted black and white. Yeah, the, the nice whiskey. Oh, so that's one thing we did. Yes, when the whiskey. You come in, and have a nice and whiskey when you get your hair cut. Well, well the, the point is not about like making money and cutting hair. No, the, the it's experience. The, it's experience and, and, yeah. their, and their environment. Yeah. You know, and even though I had a single garage, it wasn't about getting people in and making money and cutting hair. I reinvested all the money back into the shop. Yeah. So there was more cool things in the shop, you know. Yeah. Like I, at the start, it was like, you know, mid-strength beers. And then when I made a bit more money, it was full-strength beers. Yeah. The whiskeys were like ranging between $60, $80 a whiskey. Yeah. Um, like bottle, now, I'm, you know, I'm giving clients $150, $200 bottles of whiskey, you know, yeah. like as drinks. Yeah. Because it's experience. And if I win, we all win. Because yeah. the more money that I make, I put back into the shop for you guys to experience. Yeah. So I started working like one day a week at home and then I started getting busy. Yeah. Spoke to my boss, Tommy Guns, and I said, I, I want to tell you now, just before, you know, like people start talking that I've got to, like, I'm working from home on my days off. And that's only to, for my mates. I'm not trying to approach any clients, but these are the clients who have been with me since day one. And now they can't get into the shop because I'm too busy. Yeah. So I'm helping them out, you know. And I said, I'm actually charging more at home than here. Yeah. And he was like, mate, you know, thank you for telling me. Let me know. Yeah. I was like, that's cool. And then I started getting to the point that I was getting you know, fully booked every day off. So I told my Tommy Guns, I'm going to cut back to three days a week. And he's like, okay, I don't want to lose you. Yeah. So I started doing two days a week at home. To the point that working from Tommy Guns was hindering my performance at home because I was – People were messaging me, hey, can I come to your house? Blah, blah. Oh, I'm working at Tommy Guns today. Oh, I'll come see you there then. Yeah. You know? So I guess when you first started doing it, was it was about looking after your mates and the people that had been coming to you for a long time. And then you started to get busier. At what point did you think that, like, I could do my own, like, start my own business? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And not, and not yeah, there must have been the, the, transaction. the point. A, yeah, transition okay. from... Doing that and going, you know what, like, I think I want to do this yeah. all the time. Well, um, I had a client come in at home, and he's a business coach. Yeah. And uh, he sat down with me, and he's like, man, you're pretty busy. I'm like, yeah, I'm pretty busy. He's like, when are you going to quit your job at Tommy Guns and do this full time? Yeah. Oh, when I get busy. He's like, well, you need to put a number on that. You need to start tracking how many clients you're doing a week. And he said to me, um, work out how much money you need to pay your bills, do your groceries, and then work out how many clients you need a week to cover that. Yeah. So it worked out to be 25 clients a week. I needed consistently before I quit my job. Once I had that number, 25 clients a week, literally within six weeks, I started getting 25 clients consistently a week. That was when I knew that, that 25 clients a week could cover all my expenses at home. And is that 25 clients in while you were still at Tommy Guns yes. in the time, yeah, yeah, okay. So in those two days, yeah, doing 25 clients a week, yeah, and I was doing that. So basically, within six months, uh, working from home part time, I handed them my notice and I literally uh, was doing 25 clients a week. And mind you, when I was doing 25 clients a week, I was doing my own um, taxes, I didn't have a booking system. You basically had to call me, text me, contact me. I had a diary, yeah. you know, and I have, I, I work on steps. So I have a, I have a big goal in mind, but I break it down. Yeah. After about four months, I started, I was full time at home. So I had more time. Yeah. You know, I had more time to focus on building a clientele from home. And time is key. 
when you have more time, you have more time to think yeah. and to actually take action. Yeah. You know, but basically, so what I did, I, you know, 25 clients a week to the point that um, I said to myself, when I, when I have 50 clients a week, that's when I can actually um, warrant paying for an accountant and a bookkeeper and have a booking system. Because prior to that, I could handle 25 clients a week, texting them, confirming booking appointments. So then I end up getting a booking system. I've have I've got an I've got an accountant. It just started growing, growing yeah. naturally, you know. Basically, when I did the booking system and all that stuff, it was just before COVID hit. You know, yeah. like this was last year. Yeah. So last year in April, I got a booking system, online booking, and that just blew up. Everyone's on their phones and Instagram, you know, all that stuff. Yeah. And then the numbers just keep coming in. Yeah. The feeling like of getting these random people booking in online, yeah. it's a cool feeling. Yeah. They're not mates of mine. These are people who have generally heard about me yeah. or seen me on social media or word of mouth. Actually, that's, I just wanted to ask that actually. So just to rewind a bit, 25 clients consistently and then doubled it in Six months. Six months, you say, which is amazing. What happened, I guess, to go from the 25 to 50 was that word of mouth, referrals. I know you had a good location as well, like pretty visible. So instead of like waiting around for clients, you know, I just gave clients less options to book in. Yeah. So I only opened up two days, you know, and, and like, you know, some people work nine to five, you know. A lot of barbershops open nine to five. For me, I was thinking, okay, nine to five, everyone's working. So how I built a, a big clientele, I was more available for the people who were working during the week. So I remember going past and seeing you there in the evenings. Yeah, sometimes yeah. I'd close up eight, nine p.m. Yeah, you know, and and for me, working later when everyone else is uh, is not working, that kind of gave me like the upper hand. Yeah. So I built a lot of clientele from working after work. Yeah. You know, so I was working. Yeah. So I, I, did, I was doing two days and then three days and then four days and to the point that I was like capped. And then I had a point that I was like, you know, full capacity. I was doing 70 clients a week, 75 clients a week. And I was like, fuck, you know. That's like, huge, yeah. Massive numbers, yeah. you know, like within two years. Yeah. With no, with no advertising, no, just yeah. organic growth, word yeah. of mouth. and I didn't even have a sign outside my house. No. There's no sign. No. Providing the, an experience. Yeah, it was yeah. experience. Looking yeah. after the people that were coming to see you yeah. and making yeah. sure that they enjoyed it and had a good experience. Yeah. Yeah. I wanted to be so welcoming and friendly that when you walk past, you know, you'd get a high or a hey yeah. and it was more comfortable, yeah. you know. It's the same. So yeah. on that point... The working from home was, was, was awesome. You got busy. You, you were very busy. You could be very comfortable staying there. What made you want to take that next step and go from like home-based business to th- this, this beautiful shop, I guess? And, uh, well, and I should probably also add to that, taking on a lease because you did this during a pandemic when things were a bit uncertain. Yeah. And you guys got hit. Probably just as, as hard as anyone because when it, all those um, restrictions and everything were coming out, hairdressers and barbers oh, were right in there. Yeah, yeah. Which, so the reason why I started working from home, we um, we just had a son. Can I add another thing to that? You've just had another child as well. Yes. So not only have you done that during yes. the pandemic, and you, you've had your second child, and yeah, and your first child was still only one or two. Yeah, like yeah, still just, young, still yeah, barb. Still one, yeah. So, so um, not only are you busy at work, like you've, you've <laughs> got a young kids. family. Yeah. Just well, I was working three days a week at home. Yeah. And the other days I was looking after my son yeah. while my partner was working. Yeah. You know, I wanted a lifestyle that I was in control of and I wanted to spend more time with my kids. So that's the whole reason we worked from home was to be around my son. Yeah. And um, I remember, you know, I was uh, doing four days a week. And I was thinking about doing five because I was so busy. And um, it was funny. I was speaking to I was I was at my partner's work too last um, last November. You know, so this is um, 2020. And um, you know, we went out to Top Golf. You know, and basically, my partner was pregnant with our second child on the way. And um, you know, her boss he owns his own practice. She works in a medical centre, like private practice uh, doctors. So he owns his own practice and 
He goes, mate, come back with me. We're drinking at my house. My partner's pregnant, so she's like, well, I'm going home. So he goes, well, come with me. So I went back to his house, and there's a few doctors and stuff there at his house, drinking and stuff. And um, I asked him, I was like, so when did you know that it was the right time to get a practice, get a shot? He goes, mate, I, I didn't. I just backed myself. And he says, like, you know, how do you like working from home? From home? I said, mate, I love it. I get to spend time with my, with my, with my son. But the fact was, he said to me, he pointed out, but you're still working. You're still working. So even though you're working from home, you're still working. Doesn't yeah. matter where you are, you're still working. And he said, if you really want the freedom to spend time with your kids, you need to have people working for you. And it was like just a, a, a switch just clicked, you know? It was like, holy shit, you're right. So I had all this money saved up because we were going to buy our first home. Turn to shit, prices rose, you know, like getting a house now, like you're looking at minimum 700, 800,000. This pandemic, home. it's bizarre, like considering people's pockets have been hurt and, we, yeah. you know, working opportunity, like earning opportunities has decreased, people got locked down. Queensland, I don't know about all of Queensland, Gold Coast property market anyway, I guess from people from Sydney and Melbourne that are trying to escape that madness. So it was hard. It's affected, yeah, it's gone up. And um, to be honest, like, you know, there was a a window there of opportunities, you know, like people were ending their leases, closing up shops because they couldn't afford it, you know. Meanwhile, I had this money in this bank and I had a full clientele yeah. And I worked out the cost of like, I could literally service a shop and on my home with the wage I'm making. Yeah. So, you know, I spoke to my partner. I said, babe, you know, we've got a, we've got a house deposit. Instead of buying a house, I feel like I should get a shop. And this is November, you know, so basically I started looking for a shop. And within two, three weeks, I found a shop and I got handed the keys 1st of December, 2020. I had no idea how to fit, build a shop. All I knew is I had a concept in my head and I had clients who could fund it. So basically, when I signed the lease, uh, my shop was empty for seven months. I did a bit of research around shops and I knew that I had it killed by the bulls. Yeah. You know, I had the money up front. Yeah. I had the clients. So it wasn't like this may or may not work. I would show them, hey, I've got the clients to cover everything. You know, yeah. I knew that... Basically, I was back in a winning horse. Yeah. I just needed a bigger shop. Yeah. So when I got the keys 1st of December, that's when they opened up the borders again. And that's when all the prices went back up. Because Sydney, Melbourne were all getting shops and leases. And I got into the perfect time. I got a really good deal. Now I was trying to get the clients to help me out, you know. And all my clients supported me. So basically now, seven, eight months in... In my new shop, um, I've got staff. We're growing. I think I remember you might have been interviewing apprentices. So I guess that's another big decision. So not only are you taking on the extra expense now of so yeah. So I guess when you work at home, you don't have the there's no lease no. as such. You know, you you might have mortgage or you're paying rent or something else, but that's kind of including the cost that you're already doing so when you obviously go and take on a shop there's a lease there's more outgoings now they're not included in what you're already paying and then on top of that uh, an apprentice was that part of the decision in moving that you wanted to have someone here and then I guess in taking on an apprentice as opposed to someone who's qualified was that a conscious decision did you want to teach that like craft someone I guess into how you wanted to deliver that experience and not bring so, on some other... So, like, having an apprentice, like, a lot of people, a lot of barbers, they don't have apprentices because uh, they just want barbers to fill the chairs and to build a clientele, you know. They normally take a percentage or they rent a chair. For me, I wanted to invest in my staff and give them security. Yeah. So to convince someone to be an apprentice, you know, they're on, like, bare minimum wage. So it's not about the money. You've got to invest in them and get them to invest in the shop and the ideas. You know, get them to be part of your vision and your dream. Yeah. So when I had an apprentice, when I've got an apprentice, I had to sell him the idea that he's part of this the vision and the team, yeah. and, and and give him like there's a light in the tunnel. You're not just going to be a worker. You're going to be part of it. You know, you're going to be 
basically one day running the shop and when there's other shops. Yeah. So, like, he's my apprentice, but also he knows the back end of the booking system. He does the emails. He, you know, he helps out a lot. So you're not just training, you're investing I'm in I'm investing someone. in yeah. him because I want him eventually to be part of us. Yeah. Even even if he, his goal is to have his own shop, I want that drive in him and basically I want him to one day have one of these shops, you know. I want him to be so invested. He's like, man, you know, I want to be part of you. You can teach skills. You can't teach passion. Yeah. So basically, you know, like he was the ex-car salesman. So he knew he was a gun that sounds gun. He could chat. He could talk. You know? Good people person. Yeah, charisma. Yeah. I can teach the barbering to anyone, but I can't teach the chat and the passion. Seven months down the track, he's doing 30 clients a week. They're rebooking. And he's built his confidence up. He's um, making his, his wage. Yeah. And that's what I asked for at the start, you know, like I'm here to help him and guide him and it's the long term. Yeah. I'm not just trying to pump in people and get them in and get them out, no. you know, because that's not enjoyable. No. All right, so Nick, now you've got this beautiful shop. When you started, I feel like you were conscious of building your personal brand and, and not so much like a brand maybe like people think about like having a logo, but it's the experience of what people think of when they – come to you which is you know essentially what a proper brand is really like the visual elements are one aspect of a brand where I think some people focus on a logo as being the brand your branding really is like the what people think like the space that occupies the meaning of the business the meaning of the business yeah what it occupies in people's brains when they when they think of you how have things changed so I guess now you've got a brand a business and it sounds like you're taking the same ethos through of that with the experience but how do you ensure that you do it on a larger scale I guess now or when I was working from home um, I wanted to like be different to everyone else I was following a lot of these barber shops and like Instagram pages and barbers you know and I noticed like one thing consistently they were just posting photos of heads and haircuts yeah basically in my eyes the barbers were just showcasing what they were their work it was you about know, them. About them, them, them. Look at the, look at this head. Look at this head. Look at this face. You know, for me, I wanted to have a new concept. It wasn't a big space. It was a single garage. So basically, um, I used the space I had. I had um, I had a, um, I had a door. You know, mm-hmm. so that door I put a um, a mugshot. You know, concept. So basically, um, you know, you stand in front of the mugshot and you hold up a sign and it said like Conley and Co. The whole concept of of, of the mugshot. Was about it was about the person. It was about the whole package. Yeah. The haircut was was about the person and the features, and it all come together. It wasn't about me cutting their hair and what I can do. Yeah. It was it was about the whole package, the look of the person, shapes and faces and bone structure and different styles, you know. And basically, that's how I kind of like you know stood out from the rest. Um, it wasn't about me cutting their hair. It was about their story and me part of it. So I, I wanted to broadcast on the person, the client himself, yeah. than, than me yeah. as what I can do, you know. And changing from, you know, working for myself as a sole trader, building myself as a brand and a business, going into a shop and trying to advertise a business, you know, it, it's tough because I can't copy-paste me. So basically, when I had a shop and a business, I started branding the shop, the environment. So when you look at all our, our, our posts and our content on our page, our business page, it's not about me cutting hair. It's about the environment and capturing people's smiles, you know, like capturing like um, just like the feel of the shop. Yeah. Then, like how inviting it is, you know. So when people go on our uh, on our on our page, and they see, you know, like people drinking, smiling, having a good time. When you say page, you're referring to Instagram. Yeah. yeah. So, so that, that's your main. That's channel, my isn't yeah, it? yeah main channel is um, yeah. Instagram. Yeah. And which and, is I notice, like I obviously follow your your page, but a lot of the. Um, Especially the stories, it's the style. It's selling like the the whole the whole package. It's almost empowering men, which doesn't really happen. Like it's there's a lot of female empowering type things. Lots of female business 
groups and things where they get to. You know, I never really thought of it like that. But it, it's it's showing men, men that they can. You can be stylish. Yeah. You can wear a suit. Yeah. Buy some nice shoes. Get your hair done. You know, have a proper cut. Yeah. I never really thought about as like all the like the content that I post is about empowering men. For me, it was just showing men different concepts and ideas and it's not just a fucking you don't need a fucking fade to have a men's cut you know like it doesn't have to be so clean you don't have to have short back and side no, it's not just about no. being presentable you can do yeah. a bit more feel yeah. good about yourself like, like the clients who come in here like you know like we've, I've turned clients from getting a haircut once every 8 to 10 weeks to coming in every 3 weeks because um, for me, it's 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 not a getting a haircut. For me, it's not a it's not a chore. It's an experience, and it should feel good. Yeah. So sometimes, you know, back in the day when we were young, we would cut a hair short, grow it long, cut it short. You know. Yeah. I'm yeah. trying to get out of that to maintain a look. Yeah. So you know, like the clients we have, they're in every three four weeks max. You know, mm. sometimes five or six. That's okay. Depends on the hairstyle. You know, and the upkeep. But also I find the ones who are coming in frequently, like every two, three weeks, they have an option. They don't have to cut all their hair. Hey, you know, I'm loving the top. Let's just do the sides today. Hey, you know, I'm finding I want to grow it out a bit. So let's, they can change it up. It's mm. not like cut it short, grow it long, cut it short. And you find like as they change their look and their style, they might, oh, I actually might grow a beard now. And then, you know, it changes all the time. Yeah. And, and that's the beauty of it, you know. Like it's not always like – same as last time. Some guys, trust me, I've been cutting hair for about 18 years. Yeah. I'm a qualified hairdresser, qualified barber, and a qualified teacher. The thing is, with, with men, we are simple creatures, you know, and sometimes we just need a bit of guidance, but you give us the confidence and you make us feel comfortable, we'll open up. And we're loyal. Men are loyal. You know, we'll keep coming back. We may not act like, you know, like... Um, we're in love with you or we're so loyal, but we will give you a chance. Yeah. We could come back. But the moment you take granted and you do a shit haircut and they lose that that kind of that genuine kind of conversation or that feeling, they will leave you and they will drop you like 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 they'll drop you with um the sound of a hat. And I find for me, I have built a big clientele, a loyal clientele, not only me, but same with my staff, Josh, and I've got Jacob. Because uh, we're, we provide a service about the environment and the people who come in here. Yeah. You know, and no matter, you could be a new client or an existing client, you will feel welcomed in here, no matter what. When you walk in that door, you'll, you'll be greeted by at least one of us, and I guarantee you're going to start a conversation up with the clients waiting around. A lot of the shops, I'm going to talk about barber shops and hair salons because that's my industry. Thing is, what well, like what I find is you have exceptional stylists and barbers who have their clientele, okay? Yeah. And normally the clientele will follow those stylists because they do an amazing job and they only come to see the stylists. I want to create an environment so fucking powerful that if my barbers leave, the clients don't want to go. Yeah. Because they want to stay for the environment. So that, that's a real, that's really interesting. So that's bringing on potentially a good barber while that could be a good draw card for a business then as they might bring people in there's almost there's also a business risk maybe the same as a restaurant hiring a good chef or something like that there's too much of your your out of your control with, with that person that could leave and then take people or something exactly. like that so I can't you've control. identified that so you to to, mit, to mitigate that risk or to to handle that risk it's creating an experience that is bigger than the individual then. Yeah. So taking what you used to do and making it bigger for the, the company or for the brand. So yeah. Connolly Co now is known as that. Yes. Um, basically, you know, like I was struggling the first two, three months of work. I had the same concept of me being – I was doing the same thing but in a bigger environment. But the problem is the expenses were higher. Yeah. You know, and, you know, I don't know for, for, for a lot of you but – for me, like I'm, I'm very in tune with you know like spirituality, um, the universe, like you know being aware and being at work, numbers, numerology. Like I notice numbers all the time. Everywhere I drive, I look at the clock, 
with my speedo, I'm looking around at signs, and if you start being aware, you start noticing it's all around us. You know, yeah. the signs, and you know, like I see a psychic. You know, like like my secret is, I watched a lot of series like you know, Vikings, and what I got out of Vikings. Oh, the the seer. <clears throat> yeah, that, you know, the- when I was watching Vikings, I before I had a shop, I was looking at. I didn't want to be a farmer the rest of my life. Yeah, I wanted to be a king. Yeah. So when I was watching that whole series, I was literally putting in place me one day having my own place. You know, I was looking at, I was watching what he was doing and the risk and and he like he was seeing a psychic, you know, like in the witchery, yeah. you know, giving him omens and stuff like that. That's what I got out of that series, becoming a farmer to a king and taking ownership and, and like listen to the signs. And it's stuff that you've touched on in different forms while we've been talking about um, seeking advice from people who are good at the things that they do. Yeah, and taking and, on. And, ta- and listening. Listening to it. Yeah. You know, to be honest, when I was, when I was um, like, you know, fitting out and designing this shop, I got fascinated with um, Peaky Blinders, 1920s. As I was watching the series that would give me motivation and drive to finish the shop. Yeah. Because Tommy Shelby had so much on his plate, he had so much going on, but he always said it's like cool, calm and collected. Yeah. And as I was watching that whole series, I was just in, in, intrigued and like just how calm and how like he was just so organized and he always had a plan B, C, D, you know, and basically I just put on that persona yeah. Of Tommy Gar- of Tommy like Shelby. Yeah. You know, and basically when I was like getting the shop ready, you know, I was thinking like what he would do. I was watching that series as basically, as basically like case studies. That's an interesting concept because even just being conscious of that, like asking yourself that question subconsciously, what would that person do or yeah. how would they yeah. react to this situation yeah. or what would they do or how and he seeked advice from gypsies. He was a gypsy. Yeah. He would have, um, like, you know, like a psychic or, and she would, like, give him a like, fortune, you know? Yeah. And that would be whether he would make the decision or not. Yeah. I've basically adopted that for the past four years. You know, ever since watching Vikings, I would see a psychic if I'm stuck or if I'm a bit unsure. So coming back to my story with, you know, with the bit shop. Of clarity. Yeah, a bit, bit of clarity. Gave me confidence, confidence. Knowing that I was in the right direction or if I wasn't. Is that based, still yeah. confidence knowing that maybe what you're thinking is not quite right? Because it gives you confidence to go, right, I need to uh, We don't see the now. bigger picture. No. We only see what we see. Was it the forest <clears throat> from the trees? Like yeah. we get stuck sometimes in the, um, just in the trenches doing the doing. We only know what we know and we only think of the situations that we think of. Mm. But having a psychic every three months or every eight months, to be honest, she called it. I was having a boy. She called, I was in a shop. She literally said to me last year before I had a shop, I can see your shop, it's beautiful, it's amazing. Mm. She goes to me, it's near water. Which it is. What um, do you know? Behind the back here, yeah. Like there. She also called that I was having a wee girl. She knew I was having a wee girl. Mm. Before we even knew we were pregnant, mm. she goes to my partner, "You should take a pregnancy test." She called it. Yeah, she said, "You have you got a beautiful wee girl." Yeah, I, I love it. I find it <clears throat> fascinating. I I won't go into it, but I, I mentioned I saw one mm. earlier, like, but, but fifteen years ago yeah. now, and there was, it's, I don't know how they knew what how she knew what she yeah. knew, but she knew. But the the, the, the point of like, what I'm trying to get at is that I was stuck. You know, I was mm. like in this rut. And I was like freaking, I was so stressed and drained working so much. Did I make the right decision yeah. of a shop, you know, over COVID, over all these expenses? It's still one expense. I'm still making all this money, servicing, fucking everything. Mm-hmm. I'm paying for an apprentice who's not making money. Yeah. I, I think I've said it, but yeah, you've done this during a pandemic, during Christmas, while you have your second child on the way with your son only being one or two, like maybe one, turning two. One and a half, yeah. yeah. The, 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 the behind the scenes of us having our second child, our house rental the lease moving house. was up. Yeah. Three weeks, four weeks after the shop opened up, we had to move house. Yeah. Now, trying to find a property was hard. Plus, my car broke down as we are moving house. Yeah. Two weeks later, I, I, I had no vehicle. 
two weeks later, my partner got in a car crash, lost her car, all within like, you know, two, three months, you know. And I was like, at this point, I was like, holy shit, what's next? What, like, bring it on. So I sent a psychic and I said to her, man, I'm stuck. Did I make the right decision? And she's like, Nick, you made the right decision. Yeah. She goes to me, I need to, like, draw me up the, the, the plan of the, of the shop. And I drew it. And she goes, what's in that? So it's um, it's it's the left corner, left back end corner, okay? That is your, um, that's your, basically your, like, your fountain of, like, income, your money. And she goes, unfortunately, yours is has a sink and a tap. She goes, all your money is literally going down the drain. And I said, what do I do? And she goes to me, this is the crystal you need. And I put it above the sink and literally after about a week, two weeks, money started coming in. And, you know, for me, it doesn't matter, like, like you know, if you don't believe in the feng shui or vibes or fields, give it a go. Open up your mind. I feel like sometimes we need to pull back and realize we're so small and so like, insignificant. yeah. That you have to realize like there's a bigger picture out there. Mm-hmm. Like, we're a small little dot, and we get so overwhelmed, and we live in our own little world. But even if you're in a sad place or a dark place, the world keeps going around, and you can either put your head in the sand and play the victim, or you can get up and you can like just play the game of life. Yeah, keep moving forward. What is the next? Like, do, do you have, what are the big goals that you've got moving forward? Okay. Like, what, what, what's the next step? So, so my here? next step, I want to basically have two or three shops on the coast, three different um, eras. So 1920s, but different concepts. Yeah. You know, like the other one could be 1920s American style. Yeah, yeah. Publishing. Yeah. 1920s French. Yeah. You know, so that's the plan. Yeah. And then I want to keep it all kind of like boutique, I want to be hidden in the, and I want to focus on the locals, you know, because the locals, you know, they keep coming back, they're regulars. Yeah. Um, and basically I want to have an HQ where where we, this is where we do like, you know, group meetings, we have like, you know, functions and all that stuff. We have a wee bar, you know, we have a place where we can kind of catch up and meet. All the staff will be going around different shops, you know, they'll be like two days here, three days here, you know, so we can all move around. So that keeps the shops um, alive but, you know, not dependent on a person. Yes, like, yeah, yeah. And where, where do you see yourself in in this organisation? I want to be able to be at least one day in every shop. Yeah. Um, I'll probably be designing and formulating my own products, beard and hair products, yeah. which will be kind of like um, a concept of like, 1920s like bootlegging kind of style yeah. you know I want to get into like underground kind of stuff like yeah. get into beard balms beard products hair products face products and basically brand it and we only basically sell in house you know in, into our shops you know kind of make it cool for men to to buy those products really you know yeah. It's, it's, yeah. it's it's not really something you talk about is it as, as men but well, I want why a, not I want like, a concept like if you know you know and if you're part of the Conley Co, you're part of the team. Yeah. We're friends with everyone. Yeah. As we grow and we get bigger, the clientele will grow, the family will get bigger, but the concept will always stay the same, you know, yeah. like it's about environment. Yeah. And it's about like just the people and the locals, you know, like I don't want to be just another barber cutting hair. This is my life. Yeah. I've invested, my lifestyle is a part of my business. Another barber cutting hair they're competing with other barbers on price. You know, people are just going in and they're asking how much does it cost. You don't ask that here. No. And, and it's not like it's no, it's not crazy expensive. Yeah, like, yeah, you know, yeah. but it's you don't even get in that conversation because no. you're not, it's not price driven. Like, no. And you don't want to be in a no. price driven. What we do here, we do something different. We determine the price on the experience of the barber. Which makes sense to me. Like, I'm in a few, uh, say, marketing Facebook groups where marketers talk or and you'll have people come in that are fresh they've just done a course or something or they've decided they want to do digital marketing and they're like I have someone that wants me to do their Google ads or Facebook ads or whatever it is how much do I charge like what do you charge what does it matter what I charge I've been doing it for 20 years so my charge is going to be different to your charge 
like what you work out your hourly rate, like how much it's going to cost you, your experience, the return you're going to give that person, like. But they don't think like that. No, they, it's like, oh, you charge 160 or 200 dollars an hour, so I'm going to charge that. Yeah. No, man, you haven't paid your dues yet. And like, that's how they they churn and burn clients. Yeah. Because they always think, like, oh, I'm qualified now. That's how I earn. But no, you got to build up. You got to. You've you've learned the technical aspect. Maybe yeah. you've learned some stuff. Now you got to like learn the experience. You got to. Yeah. Different heads, for, different hair, yeah, like... For example, like when Josh first started as a first-year apprentice, I would charge him out as $20 a haircut and it would take an hour. And people were well aware that he's a first-year apprentice. You know, as his skill and his confidence grew and he was passing more modules, his prices went up. But the clientele could see his improvement. And, and you understand that and you, you're happy to grow with yeah. Josh. Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, that, that's – to me, that's yeah. one of the biggest things in business, like transparency, like being honest and open. Most yeah. people don't – people don't care about the things that you think they care about. Yeah. And if you communicate, you're open and you're honest in, in anything, well, for, it's, well, it's humans. Yeah. Well, for talking. example, um, it's been seven months since Josh has been cutting, literally like from $20 haircut taking an hour, he's now comfortable doing $30 haircuts in half an hour. And all of them were like, awesome, congratulations, that's sick. Yeah. They weren't going, oh, you're more now. Yeah. None of, not one client said, oh, he's more. Yeah. They were happy with Josh. What I'm actually teaching is not just teaching him how to cut hair. I'm teaching him the why. Why I do it like this and why, you know, like why I do this and why, what I look for. And I look at, I said, Josh, I look at someone, I look at their face shape, their bone structure, their hair density, you know, like their cowlicks, you know, and I look at the shape and the balance of the hair. I'm teaching him all those things, not just how to cut. Mm. Cutting comes by, it's problem solving. That's kind of like the technical aspect of it. Yeah, like yeah. you can teach someone... Technically, it's like design. They can show someone how to use Illustrator or... I'm teaching them why. The why, yeah. yeah. And yeah. I'm also teaching them the chat, how to build a clientele, how to rebook, the mannerisms, you know, um, how to educate clients and products, you know. Yeah, actually, there's something I remember you said a long time ago that you were doing at T- Tommy Gun, and it was the selling. You were the highest selling... I was the most... The most selling the most product. Yeah, I was the most profitable barber... For the company, yeah, and it, and it, maybe it's the after service, like yeah. um, get the beard balm. Get it wasn't the beard about the, the hair. It wasn't about selling a product to you right there and then. It was dropping the seed, so you'll come back. You know, so I would, I would literally give you a product. You go smell that, try that, and I'll take away from them. And I'm like, hey, when you finish up with your products at home, come and grab this. So there was no pressure. So I was so confident. These clients come back. I'm not trying to get a sale straight away. Yeah. I'm so confident that people will return that I'm like, hey, mate, you know, like you, I'll see you again. Yeah. You know? Nick, I reckon we could talk all night. Maybe just to wind it up, what are the three things that you've learned in business, I guess, that you would tell someone wanting to start? Like what, what are the three critical things that you'd like to pass on to someone, whether starting a barber shop or maybe a different shop to be honest like you know my first advice is back yourself up you know and the second advice don't be afraid if it goes well and then the third one is like you don't know what you don't know until you do it you have to come to that problem to problem solve don't overthink it if it hasn't happened yet Mm. so what if that what if this it hasn't happened yet so don't deal with that yeah I'm hearing a lot of patience and yes. discipline and, and and plan and stick to that plan. Yeah. And it will change. Mm. Your plans will change because of new ideas and new opportunities. Mm. Be open to other opportunities. Mm. You know? like have a big goal in mind, but sometimes the path is not straight. Mm. When does What does success look like? For me? What does that look like when you get there? When okay. you wake up and go, I've done it. Okay. Success for me would be when I'm older, I have a big family home, the business is going well, 
and my kids, mid-twenties, and they want to come home for Christmas, and they want to share with their partners. They'll probably still be living at home. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and like, for me, the goal is to have uh, a close relationship with my kids, be their mentor while they're growing up, and being their fellow friend later on in life, but also always being a part of their life. And success for me is being in a, a great, happy relationship, which I'm in now, being able to provide for my family, to have great staff, and being able to have my family wanting to spend time with me and my kids, and being part of that, being part of their life as they got it. Yeah. So right now, I'm doing the hard yards now, while they're young, but I'm still part of their life. Hopefully, when they start school, I'll have a bit more freedom, that I can do pickups and drop-offs. Yeah. Nick? Thank you so much for your time. We've probably gone over. We may have to cut this into like two or three things. That's cool. Um, My pleasure. I'm sure there's a ton of things that people can take from tonight. Where uh, where can people find you online? Like if if someone, people on the coast? So if you're on uh, Gold Coast or if you're like national or international, whatever, um, check out our Instagram. Um, I'll put a link below in the show notes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, It's Conley and Co. Barbers. Any, any questions or you want to interact or yeah, give us a holler. That's everything Small Business for today. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to stay up to date with our show, please subscribe or follow in your favourite podcast app so you never miss an episode. If you know someone who might enjoy this podcast, please share it with them or share it on your socials and tag us. Until next time, this is everything Small Business.